0: On September 11, 2001, 19 members of a terrorist group called Al-Qaeda hijacked four U.S. airplanes and used them to strike various targets along the East Coast. Two of those airplanes flew into the World Trade Center, the Towers, in New York City. A third plane hit the Pentagon and a fourth plane crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. The attacks resulted in extensive death and destruction and triggered major U.S. incentive towards terrorists. It was a day that you probably remember. The plane that crashed into the Pentagon, all told 125 military personnel and civilians were killed in that strike along with 64 people along who were in that plane. At 10.30, the World Trade Center collapsed. Over 3,000 people died in the World Trade Center in its vicinity, including 343 firefighters, 23 New York City police officers, and 37 Port Authority police officers. Almost 10,000 other people were Treated for injuries the plane that crashed somewhere in pennsylvania. They're not sure the intended target. It may have been the white house It may have been they're just not sure But you may have heard quotes from um, Thomas burnett jr. Who told his wife over the phone. I know we're all going to die. There's three of us. who are going to do something about it I love you, honey And another passenger, Todd Beamer, was heard saying, Are you guys ready? Let's roll. And maybe you've read the book, Let's Roll. President Bush made a statement and said, Terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. These acts shatter steel. They cannot dent the steel of American resolve. Many people watched. Maybe you watched as rescue people made every possible effort to save people. They made every effort, even risking their own lives. We watched as the rescue people did everything they could. They did their best. They went to the limit to try to save people. We were so proud of the rescue workers. We we were so honored as they presented themselves in such a heroic fashion. They made every effort. They went to every extreme. They attempted everything. They did everything they could to try to save some people. And so we watched as the rescue workers and others made every possible effort to save people at the World Trade Center. They made every possible effort. If you look up that word, make every effort, you're going to find these phrases. Do your best. Go all out. Seek. Tackle. Attempt. Contend. Go the limit. Labor. Sweat. Go after. You wrap all of those together and and you've got make every effort. I started with the story of... September 11, because I wanted you to to sense the intensity of those rescue workers. I wanted you to sense the magnitude, the urgency of make every effort. Because there is an intensity in make every effort. You may not know this, you may have never caught this before, but make every effort is a phrase that shows up in the Bible. In the original language, it's just one word, but make every effort that one word in the Greek means to hurry, to make haste, to be bent upon, to endeavor earnestly, to be diligent, to be zealously engaged to exert oneself, to pursue assiduously. You wrap all those together, and that's what make every effort means. You wrap all those together, and you get the urgency and the seriousness as we watch those rescue workers. And when you see the phrase, which is one word in the original language, make every effort, you see the seriousness and the urgency and the magnitude and the intensity of what that word means. The opposite of make every effort is pretty obvious. You make not much effort, minimal effort, not giving your best, not caring enough to compete, to be lacking in seriousness. Now let me, let me show you some verses where this is used. Second Timothy, Paul says, "...do your best," that's the word. Make every effort. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica." He says in Galatians 2, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor. The very thing I was making every effort to do. The very thing I was strenuously trying to do. If you read another translation. Again in First Thessalonians 2, he said when we were torn away from you for a short time, we made every effort to see you. It's all wrapped up in the same thing. We tried our very best we did everything we could. We tried very hard. We endeavored more eagerly. We made every possible effort. We sought strenuously. That's what that word means when you read that in the New Testament. Make every effort. So we might read it and think, make every effort, okay, I'll try. No, it's more than try. We might see that phrase and think, okay, I, I should do a good job. It's more than do a good job. It's the intensity and the seriousness That we're going to go all out for whatever it is that the Bible says. Today I just want to look at one verse where make every effort is used. It's one of the verses, it's one of the reasons I wanted to sing give me the Bible. It's one of the reasons like Ken and I talked about when we were growing up we heard that song all the time. And we heard this verse all the time. Do your best. To present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Or when I was growing up, study to shew thyself. I never got that. Study to shew thyself or approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study and be eager to do your utmost. Concentrate on, be diligent. That's the seriousness. That's the intensity that we've been talking about. You strenuously put forth effort if you're going to study. So let me unwrap this a little bit. Paul's writing to Timothy, Second Timothy, this second letter. And Paul's about to die. He knows he's getting older. He's not getting any younger. He knows his days are numbered. In fact, in 2 Timothy at the end, he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. So Paul knows he's about to die. And so he's writing Timothy, a young evangelist, a young preacher, and says, hey, let me give you some encouragement. And in 2 Timothy 1 and 2, he says, in, in just the first two chapters, don't be ashamed, keep, guard... Be strong, remember, keep reminding them, warn, avoid, flee, pursue, avoid. In the midst of this encouragement, he says, make every effort. So in the midst of all this encouragement to be faithful, he says, make every effort to present yourself as one who doesn't need to be ashamed. The emphasis here is that the Christian needs to be Diligent in his labors, zealous, do your best, go all out, go the limit. Would that describe your Bible reading? Would that describe your Bible study? Would that describe the intensity with which you go after Bible reading? Would that describe the magnitude and the seriousness in which you read the Bible? That's what's packaged in make every Effort. But it's more than just a Christian making an effort. He says, as a workman who does not be a, need to be ashamed. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workmen are few. Same word there. Paul wants us to make every effort. Why? So we can be presentable to God. To present yourselves to God. Why are we going to study our Bibles so that we can be presentable to God? How can I be presentable to God? Make every effort to present yourself to God as one who is. Studying the Bible. Realize what is at stake. Take serious our gift of grace. And take serious reading God's Word. You don't want to stand before God ashamed. You don't want to stand before God embarrassed. Okay, how do I keep from doing that? You make every effort, is what Paul says here. Jesus said in Luke 9, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words... The Son of Man will be ashamed of Him when He comes in His glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. When Jesus comes, you don't want to be ashamed. You don't want to be embarrassed. So what do you do? You be diligent. You do your best. You go to the limit. You make every effort. There's a seriousness involved here. Don't mishandle the Word of God. Don't twist it for what you think. Don't twist it for what you want. You correctly handle, you rightly divide, if you're doing the King James Version. You get in there and you make every effort. You diligently study. Why? Because you don't want to be ashamed when you stand before God. Well, okay, how do I not be ashamed? You make every effort to get into the Word of God. You don't get into the Word of God just so you can fill out a checklist. You get into the Word of God so that you know God. That's why you need to be in the Word of God. The word approved means one who has been tested and found acceptable. Every time you have a trial that may push you to the Word of God so that you know how to respond in that trial the next time it comes comes around, it makes you stronger. And you need to continue to use the Word of God in overcoming trials. Paul says in Ephesians 5, Find out what pleases the Lord. Set your heart upon what pleases the Lord. Be diligent, hurry, rush, make every effort. How do I do that? You get in the Word of God. So when we stand before you, and Bible class teachers tell you, and we tell our young children, you need to be in God's Word. Why? So that we can present ourselves to God as someone who is approved. Listen folks, the Word of God will change your future It'll change your spiritual health. It'll make you spiritually fit. Let me give you some scriptures from God's word. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. His delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on that day and night. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding. From your precepts, your words is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. We sing that today. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful. It has a purpose for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That's somebody who makes every effort to be in God's Word. That's somebody who understands the seriousness and the intensity behind make every effort. And that's what I want to encourage you to do today. No other book carries the authority of the Bible. The Bible was the first book ever printed on the printing press. It's the best-selling book of all time. 24% of all Americans have five Bibles. I'm just encouraging you to open one and get into God's Word. Read the Bible because it pleases God. I like the quote by John MacArthur. He says, I have found that my spiritual growth is directly proportionate to the amount of time and effort I put into the study of Scripture. So if your spiritual health right now, if you were to take a spiritual health test, if you, if you come up lacking, you need to get in the Word of God. If you're feeling kind of weak, you need to get in the Word of God. If you're suffering from whatever it is, you need to get in the Word of God. So I want to give you seven benefits that you will gain when you make every effort to read your Bible. These are all from one chapter. There's a lot of other benefits. These are all from Psalm 119. The Bible will keep you from sin. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know what Jesus did every time Satan came to Him? He quoted Scripture and quoted Scripture and quoted Scripture. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So maybe if you'd memorize some Scripture when Satan attacks, when a temptation comes along, you can quote Scripture too so that you know how you're supposed to respond. The Bible will lift your burdens. My soul is weary with sorrow sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. The Bible will guide your steps. Your word's a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. The Bible will bring you joy. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. The Bible will lead you to wisdom. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The Bible will give you peace. Great peace have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. The Bible will bring you back to God. I've strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. Make every effort. So there is, I just want you to see the intensity. So when you read, study to show yourself. Do your best to show yourself. Make every effort. That's not just a passing, okay, I read another chapter. There's a seriousness, a magnitude, an intensity we're going to go the limit. We're going to go the second mile. We're going to do everything we can to get into God's Word. So, we've got a, a chart out there in the four-year. We're trying to read three million verses this year as a congregation. Rodney reminds you. Other people have reminded you. Can I remind you? Not just so we can fill up a chart, but scribble down your verses. Get into God's Word. Can I encourage you to start turning off the TV Schedule some reading time. If just 15 minutes a day, a lot of the books in the Bible you can read in 15 to 20 minutes. You can read through the Bible at a slow pace in 71 hours. The entire Bible. You're like, well, that's a couple days. Okay, spread it out. In 30 minutes a day, you can probably read through the Bible in a year. If you read 10 chapters a day, you'll read through the New Testament every week. month. We need to make every effort. That's what that means in 2 Timothy 2.15. Make every effort. Get the dust off your Bible. Open it up and God will bless your life. This isn't about putting verses on a chart. This is about putting God in your heart. So we're going to offer the invitation of Jesus Christ today. It's His invitation. It's not ours. I want to encourage you to respond to Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to make every effort to live for Jesus. If that means you confess your sins, if that means you repent and you're baptized, we want to encourage you to do that. You don't have to be baptized today. It doesn't have to be in front of people. It can be with just a few, with just family. It can be this afternoon. It can be some evening. But can I encourage you to be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ? If you need the prayers of our shepherds today, they'll meet you in the back. They'll take you to a private room and they'll pray with you and for you and lift your name up before the throne of grace. If you need to respond in any way, please do so as we stand and sing.